Pastor Betty has already read the passage for this morning. Keep looking up from Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. We've been going through the Moses story in the evening, but I felt to shift it into Palm Sunday because it's appropriate for what we're going through. Uh, this moment in, in the world that we live in right here on the island as well. This Moses journey has the elements of an action movie. Plagues, miracles, murder, miraculous rescues, miraculous provision of water and food. The impossible has happened. The mighty Egyptian army has been defeated and drowned and they're in the past now. But unlike any action movie where Moses will be the hero and also will be the God figure, the Moses journey, the Exodus journey, is to instruct us and to inspire us to have hope in the God we serve. God is our hero. God is our provider. God is our protector. The underlining question throughout the Exodus story is the following question. Is the Lord among us? That's something that the people of Israel in their initial beginnings in the wilderness wrestled with this question. Our focus today takes a dramatic shift as we heard from the scripture. We move from the kitchen table of the hungry and the thirsty of the preceding chapters to the battlefield of war. From the kitchen to the battlefield. The action continues. It still reads like an action movie. We are instantly thrust from the quiet waters that restore our souls to an unexpected call to arms, deployment of troops in a fiercely fought battle. Before Israel has a chance to cool off and leisurely camp, they are attacked by this group of nomadic fighters that are known as the Amalekites. Amalek is said to be a grandson of Esau, a grandson of Esau the brother of Jacob, who later became known as Israel. Amalekites were like guerrillas or terrorists. They struck first, suddenly, and terrifying. They were experienced warriors. Out of nowhere, they began to assault these weary travelers in the wilderness. There's no reason in the text given for the attack other than for us to assume that maybe the Israelites are infringing on their territory and these Amalekites were a little bit afraid of the Israelites taking possession of their land. But the Israelites are still traveling towards the promised land. So at, we have no reason for the attack. And with precious little time to prepare, Israel must now engage to fight or to perish. Those are the choices before them as an infant nation. The hardest thing God asks of us is to learn to trust him. When things are not going well, when there is uncertainty and there is doubt and there is fear in our world as there is at this present time, we are called by the living God, if we have ears to hear, to trust him. Because he is the one that still provides. He is the one that still protects. He is the one that still wins our battles. We have a question before us. How will the leadership of Moses the prophet, Aaron the priest, and Joshua the understudy minister during the surprise attack by the Amalekites. Moses' leadership is now beginning to enter uncharted territory. He never organized a strategic military campaign before. Maybe he caught wind of it when he was in the courts of the Pharaoh. 
Rabbi Sack notes, the contrast before and after the Red Sea could not be more complete. Before facing the approaching Egyptians, Moses said to the people, stand still, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be silent. In other words, do nothing. God will do it for you. And he did. He delivered them from the clutches of Egyptian oppression. But in the case of the Amalekites, Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and prepare for battle against Amalek. This was a great transition in the history of Israel. The Israelites moved from a situation in which the leader did everything for them, everything for them. And God was known as the divine warrior and he won their battles. And now they are told by God to empower Joshua to engage in the battle, to empower the people that he loves to engage it and to do it for themselves. So the first part of the story that we'll concentrate on today is that Moses empowers Joshua for the physical battle. See, Joshua had to put together fighting troops. He goes to war with his newly drafted forces. Meanwhile, the elderly and sick are left in the camp with the wives and the children. Remember that Joshua has to pick a fighting group out of people that fight between themselves. Infighting, grumbling, murmuring. That's what we looked at earlier on in our series. And out of this group of infighting, grumbling, murmuring people, Joshua's got to pick people that are going to stick together and fight together. So as Joshua was making his choice of military personnel, he was, was he confident in what Moses was planning? While Joshua and his troops risked bloodshed on the battlefield, Moses is preparing to ascend the hill with his priests, Aaron and Hur. Joshua follows Moses' instruction. He submits to Moses' leadership, and Moses submits to God. An army with people that are accustomed to infighting now are about to engage in a battle with experienced warriors. This is preparation for what Joshua will later encounter when he crosses the Jordan into the Promised Land. See, the Amalekites were desert dwellers. They were strong. They were experienced in battle. Joshua, on the other hand, is a novice at war. Nonetheless, he was putting up a good fight, according to the passage we just read. Every time Joshua looked towards the hill where his leaders ascended, they were winning the battle. What were these servants of God doing on the hill? Moses, Aaron, Hur. They didn't have a walkie-talkie to say, look out behind you, watch who's coming from the west, watch who's coming from the east. There was no smartphones, no social media to help them along. They needed to just look up to receive guidance. See, Moses trusted Joshua fully, and he empowers him for the battle. And Joshua begins to put a team together that can fight together. It's almost a prelude to what Pastor Betty will speak on in a few weeks whenever that time will come, when we look at Jethro and the dividing of responsibility amongst the people of Israel, before, that God will empower and equip his people. So we move from Joshua here in the physical battle, and we move now to Moses, Aaron, and Hur that are engaged in the spiritual battle. Verses 10 and 11 again. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill, 
As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Moses, like many leaders in history, many leaders today in our world of whatever field they are in, suffer exhaustion. We are tired and we need support. We need people to lift up our arms in prayer, if not physically at times. Moses needed the physical support and the spiritual support from both priests, Aaron and Hur. Joshua's men matched the courage and strength of the Amalekites. While Moses' arms were upheld, they were winning the battle. And they could see the staff of God in Moses' hands. The staff that divided the Red Sea, the, the staff that produced the miracles in Egypt. They were winning the battles. And then when the arms began to lower, the, the battle began to turn against them. It was a seesaw event, like that little child's game. You know, you stand on one side and you go up and the other one goes down, that seesaw effect. Both sides are losing lives. There's casualties lying on the field. Everyone is getting exhausted. Everyone is getting tired, just like we are right now. Tired of staying at home. Tired of watching the same news again and again and again. See, Joshua began to fear the end was about to come for the people of Israel and that their exodus from Egypt was for naught if they lost the battle in the wilderness. But then Joshua looked up and he seen those arms of the priest holding up the arms of the prophet and heir and glory to the Lord our God. And as long as they held the prophet's arms, they received Yahweh's favor upon him. Aaron on one side, her on the other side, and holding up the prophet's arms, prophet and priest working together for the battle of the Lord. See, Joshua quickly drafted military one. The novices won. The inexperienced won the battle. And Moses notes the victory on a scroll. And he builds an altar so that they may worship the Lord. Moses' uplifted hands with the staff of God was a sign that God was with him. It symbolized the presence of God. Is God among us? The Exodus question, yes, he is. Is God among us now in 2020 in the midst of this coronavirus? Yes, he is. Like Israel, we fight under his banner. We read that scripture earlier on. The Lord is our banner Jehovah Nisei, Yahweh Nisa, Hashim Nisi. The insignia, the banner, the banner. We're used to that when we see old war movies and every country has their own flag, their own banner that they, they bring with them so that you know who's on your side and who's on the enemy's side. But this is Joshua leading that, that, that army and this is Moses that the Lord is our banner. And this is the same Joshua who later say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord because the Lord is our banner, our provider, our protector. The significance of both the altar and the scroll in Exodus 17 is that God wants to be remembered and known at some future time when the mere memory of the act itself may grow dim. We have a problem to forget, don't we as human beings? We tend to forget quickly. So... He provides his people with memorials to keep that memory alive, to activate that memory, to be sober, to be alert, not simply nostalgia, but to keep the presence of the Lord alive in us as we hunger for 
his righteousness. See, God's view is never merely on the present moment, but also on the future. Every redemptive act, every battle that they will win, every act that's going to take place in the wilderness is to bring them to the fulfillment of God's promise, the promised land that they will enter into one day. He will guide them there, and they can be assured of that. He hasn't taken them out of Egypt to leave them to die in the wilderness. See, the defeat of the Amalekites is not simply an isolated battle in time and history. It's an early manifestation of a bigger battle, a grander battle, a more basic battle, one that comes to a head on the cross of Jesus Christ. One that comes to a head in the empty tomb where Jesus laid and he rose from the dead. It's a battle that is part of a bigger picture and the bigger perspective from which to apply the defeat of the Amalekites in Exodus to our own lives today. See, the true enemies of God's people have finally been unmasked by Jesus Christ on the cross. They are not tribes. They are not nations. They are not kings. They are not princes. They are not physical Amalekites. They are, spirit, they are a spiritual entity, and they have been defeated already. The battle that the Amalekites, that was to last from generation to generation. That's that 1716 verse there before us, Exodus 17, verse 16. If you read through the Old Testament, you will realize that this wasn't the first time, and it wasn't the, I mean, it was the first time, but definitely not the last time that they engaged in a battle. But the good news of the gospel for us, the one who symbolizes the spiritual Amalekites, is that Christ has triumphed over Satan. And Jesus is our victor. And we can sing that Jesus, victory in Jesus, because Jesus is the risen, ascended one, and his, he is the banner over us. The Lord is our banner. What was the key to Israel's victory over the Amalekites? Was their victory a miraculous one? Due to Moses' miracle staff, while Joshua and his novice army were fighting on the battlefield, did the hands of Moses make or, or break the course of the war? Moses' hands outstretched symbolized prayer. Were they praying to God to, for God's presence to be with the troops of Joshua? The wisdom of Rabbi Sachs, if I can pick his brain again, as neither the staff nor Moses' upraised hands were performing a miracle. They were simply reminding the Israelites to look up to heaven and remember that God was with them. This gave them the confidence, it gave them the courage to win. A fundamental principle of leadership is being taught here. A leader must empower the team. Moses empowered Joshua. Moses invited the priest with him to ascend that hill. He cannot do the work for them. They must learn to do it for themselves. But he must at the same time give them absolute confidence that they can do it and succeed. And this is not easy, especially when Moses' hands became weary and he was drowning from exhaustion. Moses' prayer to the people that were on the battlefield was people, look up, look up. God is our helper. One of the ongoing biblical themes throughout the 
scriptures is lift your high eyes on high and see who has created these things, said Isaiah 40, 26. We sang about it in Praises Rising. I lift my eyes to the hill from where will my help come from? King David in Psalm 121.1. This is what Moses did for his people in that first battle. He taught them to look up. He taught them to look up to the heavens. This is what we need to hear for our day, to look up in the midst of what is going now. If we, all we are concerned is the news and the bombardment of social media and look here on what is happening on earth instead of lifting our eyes up to where our help comes from. We will also suffer exhaustion. Even Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. We need to look up to Christ. If you look down at the difficulties, you can give way to despair. The only way to sustain energies individually or collective is to turn our gaze up towards the far horizon of hope. The philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein once said that his aim in philosophy, now this is what you really call a philosopher, to show how a fly, to show the fly rather, the way out of a bottle. The fly is trapped in a bottle. It searches for a way out. Repeatedly, it bangs its head against one side of the bottle, then bangs its head against the other side of the bottle, and then bangs against the other side again, and back and forth, until eventually it's banged its head so many times it just falls to the end of the bottle, and it dies. But the fly never realized that the top of the bottle was always open. And the one thing that the fly forgets to do is to look up. It's to look up to its way of escape. Sometimes we do the same thing as human beings. If we get too wrapped up in what's going on now and we, we're like the fly, we're in this bottle and we're banging our heads back and forth, but God is calling us to look up. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look up to the sky. It's the task of a leader to empower, but it's also his or her task to inspire. This is what Moses did when at the top of the hill in full sight of the people, he raised his hands to tell the people of Israel engaged in the battle, look up, look up, my people. Look up, church, Almsdale, church of the Nazarene, look up. I couldn't help but think that Jesus is our priest. Jesus is our prophet. Jesus is our king. And Jesus, according to the letter to the Hebrews, is our intercessor. And right now he is praying for you, for me. He is praying for this world in which we live in. He is weeping for the deaths that are escalating in our world. And he wants us to lift our heads up to him and ask him to intervene so that we may win this battle as well. You see, when they saw their leader telling them to look up, they knew the words of Zechariah were coming to a fulfillment. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord, God of hosts. The people of God in the face of difficulty who continue to look up will win great victories and achieve great things for the Lord is our banner. He is the one in whom we identify. 
Church, in closing, look up. I leave you these words from the writer of the Chronicles. Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let us pray. Lord, lift up our weary arms when the weight of each day's battles and burdens overwhelm us. Be our banner in the daily struggle against all that tempts us to be less than who you want us to become. May we be truly excited in these difficult times to be part of your team, ministering under your banner. The Lord is our banner. That is who we identify with. Our identity is in Christ our Redeemer and Lord. Lord, we also pray in these days that we will lift our eyes to the hill. Looking up, we anticipate the glorious return of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the victor of our faith, the overcomer of our faith. We might be overwhelmed right now, O Lord, to the point of exhaustion, but we come to the one who is the overcomer, Jesus Christ. And the words, O Lord, that we read earlier in the Gospel of John, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.